3: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. cross
4: And good morning to you 1850 103 Our lines are open Bernie takes your calls and comments this morning You can always text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103 You can email jp at c103.ie Or indeed you can always tweet us this morning at c103cork It's uh, jp in for Patricia uh, Marcia unfortunately sick overnight So I'm with you right through on till one o'clock So we wish her well But ahead on the show this morning And this is something that we get concerns about From all various towns in Cork Cork when there is new housing developments underway. Nobody has anything against new housing developments but the big thing is the infrastructure around it and we have seen this with so many towns across Cork over the last 10 to 12 years anyhow and the concerns this morning is coming from Cove because there's a new development of housing for a new housing estate and while that development is set to get to go ahead, new plans have been put in for more homes next to this particular development and again it's infrastructure. The locals in the area are wondering, well, if we get... 500, 600 or more houses in this particular area, how will our roads cope? And then looking ahead to five to 10 years' time, can the schools cope with extra demand? Because we have seen from Cove nearby in Carrick whereby Carrick one of the fastest growing areas now, not only here in Cork, but across the country, they're campaigning for more school places and a new school to be built for Carrick Tool, mainly because of the amount of houses that were built there during the boom. People could not afford to buy in the city areas or suburbs, so they travelled about 10 minutes outside if you're going from the Tivoli direction to tool uh, bought there and now the kids are at the age of either they're going to secondary school or they're going to primary school and demand is on the education services. Uh, roads, I suppose the motorway uh, was a benefit there to the Cove is the roads in and out of the estate and we hear that from other towns where new estates have been built and I know in certain estates they've had problems with water and sewerage. So you buy a house, you pay Uh, on average, maybe 250,000 for the particular house, your your new home. And then when you get in, you realise after a few months, uh, you're not getting your water supply every day. uh, And that there's also an issue to do with sewerage, your toileting flushing. Uh, And that is because the current level of housing that is being built, the existing infrastructure can't deal with that. So discussing that this morning, they're the main concerns we're hearing from people in the cove area. Uh, We'll be speaking with local councillor there, uh, Cahil Rasmussen, who's hearing those concerns. Also... Uh, something that's very much in the news over the last few weeks, especially this week is the idea of insurance when it comes to crashes because there's only two insurance companies that uh, look after childcare and crash facilities in this particular country. One of them to leave the market which means premiums now are going to increase and because of that there's huge childcare concerns in the particular sector of uh, where the businesses will go, what they will face next year. Many of those in the operation of childcare are just thinking of getting out of it. The, the margins are so tight once they pay their staff they have nothing for the business or themselves they're thinking of leaving Uh, so I know we've heard from politicians and we've heard from those who represent those in the childcare industry this morning we're going to hear from someone who operates a Montessori school and exactly we'll hear what's happening on the ground and how those who run those services are feeling and what will happen some people it doesn't affect them at the moment because they're with another insurance company but it's the overall margins they cannot keep going and if more and more of these facilities close with parents who might not have the option of their parents to look after their grandchildren or friends or family to look after them, where do they go? If you have a situation whereby you're you're working in the city, you're living in the city, you're from far north Cork, far west Cork, you don't have the option of dropping your child to your parents while you go to work as well maybe you're from Cork living in Dublin you're not going to have that luxury of ringing your mother or father if they're lucky enough to be alive and saying can you take Jack or, or Donna this evening or this morning while I go to work I've been called in uh, not everybody has that luxury so because of that and childcare facilities are the only thing available and if they are going to get more scarce more pressure is going to be on the existing services who will of course increase their prices if insurance is going to go up so a lot of pressure there. For parents and worrying times, uh, especially this time of the year, for many parents, are discussing that we will hear firsthand what is happening on the ground with those particular childcare services, and a few are in that particular situation where you are worried about what will happen next January, February or March if you have your child in one of those childcare creches or Montessori schools which you fear will suffer or could close because of what's happening. Let us know. 1850 333 103. We're also going to hear and chat about a new book. It's a beautiful book. It's called Return to Sender and it's comparing postcards by John Hind from the 60s and 70s to today. So there's some fantastic photographs in there. For example, a picture of Patrick Street from the 60s and it's compared to Patrick Street of today and you can see the differences from the 60s to now 2019 also a lot of coastal photos and how the coast has changed over the last 30-40 years and even uh, one photo that stood out was a picture of Mallow and the end of Mallow's Main Street and how different it was uh, back in the 60s 70s compared to now the big outstanding point there is the introduction and, and the new plaza that was built in Mallow. No, a lot of controversy itself on that but it just shows the extent of change in many of our towns here in Cork. So discussing that particular book and where the idea came from on that book later in the show and also, of course, going to the movies with Mark Malone after 12.30, reviewing the latest films and, indeed, DVDs and streaming services with Mark after 12.30. So that and more to come between now and one. Along with your calls and comments, various calls in on on various issues to do with insurance and also to do with families who were out, maybe going to see pantos or just spending time together. Uh, But we've got a few calls from people who've been in restaurants or just helping the boat and they feel, anyhow, uh, that the parents are ignoring the kids because they're spending too much time on their phones. Anyhow, have you noticed that? Let us know. 1850 333 103, call Bernie, or indeed text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103 And this morning I was reading in the Irish Examiner a piece by Owen English, and there's a lot of talk about new water parks and new features in many of our cities and towns. And this is an ambitious uh, document that has come from Bantry Bay Port Company because they proposed a water sports park, boardwalks and a new t- Tidal water feature to unlock the full potential of what they say is Ireland's great harbour towns and that is, of course, Bantry. Now, what's going to happen here is it's going to really be a great, if this goes ahead, be great for tourism. It looks uh, unbelievable in the photos and the sketches that they have. It will be a great addition for Bantry. It's hoped that this plan will raise the profile for Bantry when it comes to maritime opportunity. Uh, and I suppose showcase what is in Bantry when it comes to the cruise liners that are now uh, lodging there and the history of maritime that's always been associated with that part of the county. Uh, the recommendations by the architects is that the design review will signpost the realistic pathway, uh, which will deliver then the new vision for the maritime harbour interface for Bantry Town. Uh, not too sure of when this will get to go ahead, but there's also ideas of a new boat and rowing facilities on the waterside, and would be located uh, just off the N71 near the uh, Abbey Graveyard so major development and major changes for Bantry uh, but it will uh, be a welcome development I'm sure for many to the area and to the town and if the sketches go by anything will, it will really enhance the area but also uh, enhance it for tourism we'll have to wait and see what happens with that and if that actually comes about but it is a, a big ambitious project from the Bantry Bay Port Company who are doing quite well over the last number of years with the cruise liners that are visiting the area. And from Bantry to something that we've spoken about a lot over the last while, and getting calls and I'm sure we'll get more uh, over the Christmas period. We were discussing South Dock yesterday and the delays with the South Dock service. Well, we've a lot of people who were telling us that they attend Dock as well if they're in the Charnival area and a lot of people would be attending the hospitals in Limerick. And Limerick's fire authority has told an overcrowded hospital uh, that they need to stay in their patient number limits or that they can face legal action. It's University Hospital Limerick um, have come out. Now, they have said uh, that the hospital is not an imposition impossible position because they are towing the line they feel on fire safety uh, but also they're under pressure because of the amount of people who are coming into the hospital. Uh, the Obviously the Limerick's Fire Authority are coming in from the Health and Safety and their own side of things. You can also see the hospital side of this uh, whereby they are under pressure are, as every hospital is at the moment uh, but interesting that the authority uh, for fire in Limerick has come out and said they could face legal action if they continue with the overcrowding there, which you know is going to continue, let's face it, especially coming into the winter months, and hospitals are under more and more pressure, especially with less resources in many of our Irish hospitals, and something that I didn't know was still going in in London, are still a thing, but it is. I know we've seen it and heard of it in Dublin, but this is how an Irish businessman who's from County Kerry's, from Glen Bay in Kerry, he is set to drive one. Hundred Sheep over London Bridge after winning the freedom of the city. Danny O'Sullivan uh, is awarded the title and was awarded the title in October and he received the gong in honour of the important contributions that he has made to the business and economic life, life even of the city of London. Now the award, it dates back to the 13th century and basically it does permit the recipient to drive their sheep over London Bridge. And when will this happen? Well, it won't be this year. It will be next year. The date, September 27th next year. Year. Uh, and I'm sure uh, Daniel Sullivan's family and friends—they're uh, invited actually to take part in this, and they will travel to London to see him hurt the sheep across London Bridge. Something you would not think would happen. I didn't think it was happening anymore, but it must be. Uh, and it's a carry man is going to do that uh, next year. The reason he's getting this is he's the chairman of the Danny Sullivan Group and uh, he won the Freedom of London because of the work he does there uh, with that group in promoting uh, the city and indeed the business and economic life there in London. And I'm sure while he's there uh, supporting many Irish who would have travelled to London over the last number of years, especially in the 60s and 70s. Anyhow, well done uh, to Danny and he'll be herding his sheep over London Bridge next year. The FAI in the news still, uh, a real world here for anybody who's a big fan of soccer but indeed for sport in this country the fact that if the FEI disappears it also means basically our national soccer team disappears and that's something that no one wants to see there's a threat as well for the League of Ireland in this Uh, we've seen Limerick uh, gone to the wall recently when it comes to League of Ireland clubs a lot of financial difficulty let's be fair and it's been quite open uh, in the news over the last few weeks and clubs themselves have come out and said yes they're finding times tough and these are all clubs across Ireland, within the League of Ireland. Uh, but the League of Ireland under threat. You have our national soccer t- team now under threat. And all because of the debt that the FAI are fighting themselves in. And there's more worry for them now because... Uh, it was put out there that they maybe, be when it comes to the Aviva, of course, which the FAI has a 42.5% stake in, uh, they were maybe hoping for the rugby union to come along, the IRFU, and take the rest of that particular stake and acquire the share of the Aviva Stadium. Uh, but no, the IRFU have come out and they say that they will not take that particular stake. Uh, the funding they are getting, they want to invest that into the, de- the development of rugby, but also the development of younger players getting into rugby and developing players at a younger age, they don't want to waste well not waste could be the wrong word, but they don't want their money basically going into buying the remainder of the Aviva or, the, or shares in the Aviva just to bait out the FAI when they want to invest in their own sport of rugby. That's where it stands. It seems now that UEFA at this stage which we know are getting involved, I mean there, there was an idea on Wednesday uh, of the government bidding them out but that was something many cities were against. Talks will continue into the the new year now of the UEFA are involved in this as well. Uh, there's a lot of worry within the soccer circles on what will happen. Uh, hopefully, it won't come to the situation whereby we will lose our national soccer team or affect all of the League of Ireland clubs. But your views welcome on that. I mean, are there, first of all, TDs, are they right to say they won't invest anymore into the FAI considering what has happened there? And... Do you worry about the future of soccer in Ireland? Do you care? Do you think the money should not go near the FAI and should be invested into other services and they just have to work this out one way or another? Your views welcome on that, on the FAI and the scandal that is continuing to surround them and their only hope, at, well for this week anyhow, was the IRFU and they have said no, they don't want to invest in their extra share of buying out the whole Aviva Stadium and if you're on the low wage, if you're on the minimum wage, well some good news for you because it's set to increase by 30 cents from the start of February. So it seems around 107,000 people are set to benefit from this new national minimum wage of 10 euro and 10 cents. The government is making the increase following a recommendation by the Low Pay Commission and of course the implementation of this well it was due to come in last or earlier this year I think uh, but it was delayed due to Brexit concerns but it is going to come in now so if you are on the low wage or on the minimum wage good news for you by the start of February you will be getting the 30% increase in the minimum wage and the uh, new minimum wage in this country will be €10.10 a lot of people welcoming that when you see the cost of living especially here in Cork everything increasing over the last number of months uh, by way of of rents and grocery shopping and even getting around from one place to another. Anyhow, uh, welcome news there, good news story as we run up to Christmas. 1850 333 103 lines open. You can text a WhatsApp 086 or you can email this morning jp at c103.ie. We're going to Cove next to hear about those concerns uh, from locals regarding new housing developments in the area. Nothing against housing but can Cove and can its infrastructure cope with this new housing developments that are being Plan discussing that next.
2: Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103.
4: And you can text on WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now, Gardaí, by the way, are investigating another, unfortunately, fatal accident that occurred on the Cork to Limerick Road yesterday afternoon. Our sympathies with the family of that lady in her 90s who died yesterday following that accident between Mallow General Hospital and New 2 House. It was involving a car and a truck and the woman, of course, was taken to CUH where she later died. But Gardaí are appealing for anyone with information, particularly anybody who was on that particular road. Uh, the accident happened at around 5 to 1 yesterday. So anybody who was on the road around that time and who may have a dash cam and dash cam footage uh, they're being asked to contact Gardy so if you are one of those people that might have been in the area at that time Gardy are appealing for people to contact them you can contact Gardy in Mallow if you can help out with their request uh, this morning and now we will get to that issue in Cove shortly regarding the housing development that is being planned for their local concerns in Cove with regards to if the infrastructure their infrastructure even there uh, can cope with a large amount of housing built for that area. But Jason was in contact this morning and maybe others can help out with this. It's to do with insurance. I'm not too sure if others have had this situation over the last while or not and I'm not too sure how this happened. But Jason basically, he brought his car to the garage to get a small repair job done on the lights in the car. So the garage basically needed the car and they needed to keep the particular car for a day. So he gave uh, the garage, that is, gave Jason a replacement car And then, of course, he had to transfer insurance for the day. But to transfer insurance for the day, uh, they charged him €21 for the day. Now, I've never heard before of someone being charged for a temporary substitution, Uh, but Jason was. Um, Now, that evening... Uh, He was told the job would not be done until lunchtime the following day. Uh, So again, he had to contact the insurance company and extend the cover on the garage car until lunchtime the following day. Now, they wanted to charge him another €21 for extending that particular temporary substitution. Uh, So that was around €42 to cover a car of lesser value for a day and a half, says Jason. Uh, €42 equates to one month insurance roughly for him. Now, he complained about this to the insurance company Company. They eventually gave in and they said as a goodwill gesture, that they would only charge him €21. Euro. But Jason is saying no wonder the insurance companies are making money and making a profit if they are now charging people for temporary substitutions. He says something needs to be done about regulating this crazy insurance industry if they are allowed to do something like this. Uh, basically, all Jason was doing was getting a temporary car for a day And he's been charged more or less €42 for that. Has that happened to anybody else? First of all, I thought maybe it was a mistake on the insurance company part and they might have thought he was actually transferring the car permanently and and was a a charge for a permanent substitution. But no, uh, the way Jason is describing it, simply he did tell the insurance company it was a temporary transfer. It was just for a day. And when he rang up again that evening, they were going to charge him another €21 Euros to transfer it to lunchtime uh, the following day. Uh, anybody else come across that? I did initially think maybe they got a confused with a permanent substitution, but no, it's a temporary substitution. Is it a new thing when it comes to insurance that uh, they actually now are charging for a temporary substitutions? But I do know that in some insurance companies, If you do transfer your car temporarily and you have done that in a way that you might have done seven or eight in the same year, then they will charge you because they're asking questions, where are you changing your car so much? So Jason, I'm not too sure if you have done a number of temporary transfers over uh, the last year and if you have maybe done seven or eight of them, if that is the case, companies do ask questions and they do begin to charge because they think that you're changing it too much and they don't like that from an insurance point of view, from a, a risk point of view for an insurance company. I don't know. Is is that one of the reasons that you're doing a lot of these uh, temporary transfers? Uh, or is it the norm now? If you are transferring your car temporarily, maybe it's in the garage like Jason Are they now charging for temporary substitutions? It's a new one. Uh, If they are, I have heard it before, but mainly only if you have a number of those temporary transfers across the year. Your view on that, let us know if you have been in that particular situation. Like Jason, help us out. 1850 333 103 RD, text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103. -103. Now, their plan to construct one of the biggest housing developments in Cove in over a decade has raised serious concerns from locals in the area. It's all to do with the existing infrastructure and can. Cove Cope. Well, uh, Local Councillor Kahal Rasmussen joins me on this. Good morning to you, morning. Good morning. Uh, first of all, just tell me about this particular development and the amount of houses there and what type of houses are planned to be built?
5: OK, the uh, plan is the application is for 237 units. There'd be 183 houses and 54 apartments with a creche. So it'd be a mix of one, two-bedroom houses and apartments. It would be then three and four-bedroom apar- uh, houses within that. In the, within that, So it's 237 houses or units in total is what the plan is. Originally, when they had the discussions with on board Planala, I understand it was 222 was the original ask then it went up to 237 so that's what the application is at this point.
4: And is there another planning development due to be starting or being put in near that existing development we're speaking about there?
5: No, what actually happened was that there had been another application going back I don't know about a year ago or maybe a bit longer um, that was similar in density and that was shot down already in, in a site adjacent to this so this is a new this is a new application again this is a continuation of in the state called Toulard and which had has been built Uh, a number of years ago and it was the areas that hadn't been finalised and finished off so this is the next stage of this.
4: Now everybody that has been in contact with us does and do welcome additional houses but the concerns we're hearing is that the road infrastructure can the schools cope in five or six years time? What are you hearing on the ground there about this particular local development and the concerns and it's not to do with the extra houses as I say people welcome that but it's the infrastructural concerns people have a, a problem with.
5: Well, oh, yeah, and I suppose, look, as a councillor and as, as a local person living in Cove, I'm, I'm, I would be delighted if more houses could be built because we have a housing crisis. It's a completely separate issue, and I think, to be honest with you, I don't hear anybody giving out about the houses. It's the infrastructure, exactly what you say. The like, Cove is located is an island, as you know. It's access with a narrow bridge. It, we have narrow boreens, and, you know, the houses are safe with access, access to where this is. There's all narrow boreens around it. And while the issue is, is are the, the, the builder that has put in the application, while they are planning to widen roads in the area, it, it's only widening roads on the land that they have control over, but you still come out out of the site onto the same roads that are there. You come onto the, the, the R624 coming out of Cove, goes onto Bellberry Bell, Bridge. Um, so you come onto the Tay Road, which is a narrow road again. Um, and as such, they're not being developed at this point in time. From the school's point of view... You know, we have a fierce shortage of schools, uh, places in Cove at the moment. Now, the good news is that the, the local community college, um, they're, they're going to start an extension uh, in the new year or very shortly. Um, I know that Clashdamer and Cove has already put in burn um, an extension as well, and they're waiting to hear about that as well. So in that sense, that's all down the road. That will take a number of years to develop. It won't happen overnight. From a doctor's point of view, we, you know, our doctors are under fierce pressure all the time. We don't have enough doctors in Cove. We don't have a primary care centre in Cove, which we've looked for, which we've been promised for. From a train, while we have a train service and we have a bus service, which which is serving the town, it's still not enough because there was a second uh, train station to be built in the, on the, near the Cross River, the river Ferry. That's a plan in the county development plan, but that may or may never happen. It all comes down to funding. So, you know, it's the whole infrastructure is the issue Is at the end of the day, you still have to go over Bell Valley Bridge and at the moment, either there's 14 or 15,000 movements every day on that bridge and if anything happens out there, you can't get in or out of Cove except by ferry, uh, which is a great, great service that we have and the train service which wouldn't be able to cater for the, the people at the moment.
4: And just when you mentioned the road in and out of Cove, it is the only way in and out. It is an island after all. No matter what happens, there is no way around that. I mean, is there any way of developing a new road infrastructure into Cove? Considering how close Cove is now to the city and you had the likes of Glanthorne and Carrick more or less slowly becoming suburbs of Cork City, is there any way around this uh, in and out of Cove because it is clear to see Cove is under pressure and, and traffic is under pressure not only in Cove but across Cork at the moment
5: Yeah look I suppose there, there are plans to put in, to bring a new road into Cove and a new bridge into Cove um, I suppose look every councillor will tell you they've had motions in County Hall over the years looking for it but I suppose the good news really is that the County Council are in advanced talks with the department in relation to this Um what they informed us, and I had a motion in recently about it, clearing it again, and what they've actually said to us is that, look, we're at an advanced stage with the department, we do recognise a new road and a new bridge has to come into Cove, Um, for the long-term viability of Cove and the whole Cove area, as well as attracting industry and tourism in general. Um, so we are waiting for the, the department to come back with a formal announcement to say that they are given permission for it to happen, because it would it would it would then go on to a different stage from a funding point of view and from a planning point of view. But my understanding is that it will be done in two or three phases, where there'll be um, the, the bridge will be built first, and then a new road will be coming from the roundabout and carry to somewhere in that area to meet up with it. We don't know the exact locations because that hasn't been worked out fully but what, we're, what I'm saying is that we are at an advanced stage. From a time point of view, and this is where the issue, the, the issue will be, John Paul, is that the problem will be that this will take a number of years. It could take 10, 15 years. I don't know because it all comes down to department funding and Marina Point at the moment have a planning application in at the moment for development and cleaning up the site outside there and all these things will be conditional on the border road and the R624 road being upgraded. Because at the end of the day, you know, Cove is a a big tourist town now. We have a lot of visitors, which is great, and we welcome it, and it's fabulous. Uh, But we have a lot of buses and cars on the road as a result, and it is causing fierce congestion, and we do need to get this road sorted. But it will be done. How soon? I can't tell you, though.
4: And regarding the housing development, then, am I right to say, does this have to go before Cork County Council, or has this particular development bypassed the council?
5: Yeah, what this, this, what this does is that this goes to the strategic housing board basically goes through on board Planala, and development developed over 100 houses doesn't come before Cork County Council anymore Yes, Cork County Council will have to put in their uh, submissions and recommendations and their comments and they've already had a number of meetings with them over the last 12 months between on board Planala, between the developer and between the county council uh, as such. so a lot of the issues would have been ironed out at, the, at that planning stage or that initial discussion planning stage um, but as such it's on board Planala Will, will, will make the decision and that's why at the moment the residents are getting themselves together um, to, to put in their own submissions and observations and as I say not all the residents will be against the development it's, it's the, the issue is it's the infrastructure it's the, the, the green green plain areas for the children it's the pathways it's the sewerage all these things have to be taken into consideration um, but as such yes it will be board than all and we're hoping that, you know, that there will be an oral hearing as well so that the residents and concerned people will be able to have their say in it as well
4: Yeah because I don't know how many housing estates have been built over the last 5, 6, seven years and they have gone down that particular route and I know you mentioned the council do meet and they have these particular meetings with them but the one thing we hear is people buy the houses, and it's more for those who are thinking of purchasing a house there as well. They go in, and after two or three months in the home, their water breaks down a lot. Uh, they don't have sewage facilities working properly, uh, not to mine broadband. Uh, and the last, you wanted to pay a big price for a house of three hundred thousand or more and then you have a situation whereby you don't have the water or storage facilities. Uh, are you in agreement with everything going straight to Panola and with the type of uh, meetings the council have, or would you rather go to the council first so that they would know what is happening in the area? Or even do the engineers, are they aware of these problems afterwards? Yeah, well,
5: I suppose, look, this decision obviously was made at a national level to try and speed up the whole planning applications because, I suppose, going up over the years, it was taking so long for big housing developments to come on stream. Is it right or wrong? I suppose all I can say to you in, the, in my experience of dealing with the, the, the number of applications I've dealt with is that we've got fair hearing, that the information is made available to us, all the information is made available to anybody who wants it. So that any of the meetings that the council have had with the, the planner or with, or with the, the developer and with On Board Planola are public knowledge, they're all there. Um, in relation to things like sewage and water, they're all part of the planning that has to, has to be taken into consideration. And the county council, that's where they come in. So if there are issues about roads, and which I know they have, they have concerns about them, but at the same time, they, they raise their concerns with the, with the developer, he then comes back with his solution to it in relation to sewage. Cove at the moment is under, is the, the Lower Harbour scheme is underway in Cove for the last number of months and we're making great progress with it. And so by the time this development comes on stream, the Lower Harbour scheme will be well advanced, if not finished, if this was to get planning. So from a storage point of view, there should be no issues. From a water point of view, we're served by Glasher and, you know, as such, I, I, I'm not quite sure is there pressure issues. I haven't been ever contacted about pressure issues except for broken pipes. Broadband, Broadband is exactly the same as is in most towns, John Paul. We have broadband in Cove, and unfortunately, I, I kind of laugh when I hear everybody talking about, you know, all these towns have broadband. We have broadband in Cove, but not of good quality. And, while broad, and, and there are no real plans to get that sorted at the moment because there is no, as far as the department and the government are concerned, um, Cove has broadband, but there's lots of areas in Cove not served by broadband because there's no access to it and um, as such, and that's in the centre of town or on the outskirts it's not even in the rural areas but all those issues are separate issues that will be taken up by the, the planner and when people put in their observations the developer will have to respond to them and hopefully that if poor Canola will, e- will either rule in favour or against it but if they rule in favour all these stipulations
4: would be included in it as well A uh, jury on uh, text who lived in Cove wants to ask uh, the area where the houses are planned for he feels is very congested at the moment uh, yeah. without these new roads being built so why are they allowing these houses to be built if the road isn't going to be done for 10 or 15 years How do you, I mean do you agree with Jerry yeah. that we do, do need no, housing com- but we have to look at the road infrastructure going in No and
5: Trump, Trump, I, completely, com- I agree completely and that's why they're making is that like the, the area where those houses live already it's a it's bigger house in the state they, uh, it's contested in the estate as, as such and when you come out of the estate onto the roads all the roads are very narrow in the area mm. and that's the point we're all making that that can't be sorted by the builder as such while he's making contributions and all this kind of stuff into the future at the end of the day unless major development goes on in the area from a roads point of view it will never solve the problem and that's why I'm not against the development because of the houses, but I am certainly, I have huge issues uh, in relation to the infrastructure um, as such, and at the moment I won't be in a position to support the development uh, unless we get huge guarantees that all the road infrastructure will be what we need. But as I say, that is also part of the R624 because at the end of the day, if you come out onto those narrow roads, you still have to get out of cove. And as, as anybody will know that lives in cove, some mornings there, you're bumper to bumper and you can't get out of cove.
4: And Carmel's making the point that if the houses do go ahead, she's aware of some people who have been refused the one-off housing in the area uh, due to what they're told is the insufficient infrastructure for where they're planning their house. Uh, Is that true? Is that happening there?
5: Yeah, and again, that that all goes back to the whole infrastructure thing and it goes back to my initial comment at the start of the discussion that the other development was refused, mainly one of the big reasons was due to the infrastructure in the area, and the infrastructure in Cove in general, and that, that was the reason being, the, this area where the houses have been built, there's some very narrow borings, there's some very bad corners and stuff like that, and while the developer is planning to take away some of those bad corners, widen the road and stuff like that, he's only doing that all on his own side of the land, so that and they're, they're, they're trying to get agreement with the council to do to, to widen other sections, for that to happen, there have to be compulsory purchase orders, huge money spent and stuff like that, and as, as a local councillor, you know, we struggle on a monthly basis to get little sections of road uh, resurfaced or potholes done. So I can tell you at the moment, nothing has come across my desk or your local council desk, I can show you, saying that all of a sudden millions of euros are going to be made available for this. So that's why I'm questioning this development at this point in time, that far to happen, these, this road infrastructure has to be improved in the area in the Cove area in general and the whole Great Island. The bridge has to be sorted out uh, as well as all the footpaths, street lighting all that kind of stuff has to come with it or else it shouldn't be allowed to go ahead
4: and do you think it just will go ahead at this stage a lot of text coming in here from people who agree with what you're saying but have said from where they're living in Cork uh, the uh, concerns have been outlined that you say but still the housing development has gone ahead the developer has promised they would build new roads and extend roads but they never did and then they walked away and built houses elsewhere while the existing houses were left there and they had literally Boreens driving into them Uh, so do you think the similar could could happen with this it's all talk but the houses will get built and you'll be driving in Boreens to get in?
5: Well I suppose two things one is one of my concerns is that this is Christmas time the applications are the submissions have to be in by the 23rd of January so that means people have to have them in around the 20th or 21st which is a, this is a difficult, you know, it's a strange time. And I would question the timing of it as well. You know, obviously they want to get in the time when people are on holidays. But at the same time, the residents in the area are getting themselves together. I'm working with residents in the area. And, you know, we're going to have a meeting straight after Christmas to try and put all this together um, and see what can happen. But I suppose at the end of the day, the other big development that was applied for going back, as I said, I think it was last year, uh, with similar amount of houses, we had site adjacent to it, was shot down by onboard Planala, it went through the exact same process. There was over nearly 200 houses, I think it was again or whatever. That was shut down. It didn't go through County Hall, it went straight to the onboard Planala. So I would be very hopeful that, you know, if people put in the observations and if the infrastructure isn't put in place, and I know that from the notes that I've seen, onboard Planala have issues with the infrastructure and while the planner or the developer has resolved some of the issues, they still cannot resolve the issue of the bottleneck of the R624 and coming onto the main roads and go because you'll have areas that are very bottlenecked, you'll still have to get from there onto the Tay Road, on from the Tay Road onto the R624, either either on the waterfront or over the hills road, as we call it. So either way, those roads aren't part of the plan to develop at the moment, and that's, that's where the whole issue so I would ask people that if they have concerns to contact myself or other local councillors, and um, we'll help them with their observations. And uh, not all observations will be negative, but if you have a concern, contact me or their councillors, and we'll help work with you to try and get this resolved as soon as
4: possible. Okay, well, we'll wait and see what happens. As I said, no one against housing, but it's the infrastructure people have a worry about, and even those purchasing those houses, that they will have the correct services there for them for the moment. Carl, yeah. uh, thanks for joining us, and have a good no, Christmas, no, no. and we'll chat to you no doubt in the new year again. No uh, that Absolutely. is a Councillor Cahill Rasmussen uh, from Cove joining us on that particular issue your views are welcome on that it's an area uh, that is seeing more congestion due to the number of people moving to that area with people moving out of the cities but still want to be close to the cities for work but it's not only Cove as we said it's every area where new houses are built they're promised the earth moon and the stars they're promised new roads the houses get built uh, people buy the houses and the roads never get built and the roads are the same roads that have been there for the last 50-60 years that warrants meant to deal with the level of traffic that they are seeing now. Also the Water and Storage Network uh, Not to deal with the population That it's serving Anyhow your views are welcome I'm sure you're seeing something similar In your area Maybe you're not But let us know 1850-333-103 Text or WhatsApp 86 And Jason who was transferring Car insurance temporarily uh, His car was in the garage He transferred it the, the insurance company charged him 21 euro for the day And then when he had to extend it Into the next day He was being charged another 21 euro Now he didn't pay the €42, euro, he just paid 21 because he challenged the insurance company and they gave him a goodwill gesture as what they said. Uh, but other people have also had that problem. I was wondering, was it just certain insurance companies or was it just that Jason had that particular problem? But no, others have. I'll get to those comments on the way as well. Along with people who were unhappy with families going out to see Pantos or having a meal and the parents... Basically, ignoring the children while on the phone. We'll get to your comments uh, on that as well. 1850 333 103. Lines open. Text or WhatsApp 86 2103 103. On the run-up to Christmas, and if you're on the roads, just take extra care this morning. Heavy fog, uh, particularly if you're driving on the Cork to Mallow Road at the moment. Very heavy fog in the North Cork area, and I'm sure uh, across all of Cork. But we're getting reports in of that on the North Cork area, especially in the uh, Cork to Mallow Road. If you're on that road, uh, light up as well. Uh, reports of some drivers having dims on I think we need our fulls on at this stage given the level of fog in the area so beware of that if you're travelling on the Cork to Mallow Road this morning and roads will get busy uh, from this afternoon we can tell you that uh, the rush hour traffic uh, situation for a Friday will be a bit different today and AA road watcher warning people that from around one o'clock if you're hitting the roads just be extra careful the majority of people will be either out Christmas shopping or trying to get things done and also then you have people wherever they're working uh, they'll be trying to get home for Christmas because a lot of businesses are are finishing up today if not Monday some are finishing up today so a lot of people will be trying to get out of the cities and towns and head home so that is going to cause extra traffic congestion on the roads Uh, but earlier today from one o'clock so just bear that in mind if you're on the roads and uh, advice from the Gardaí and AA uh, basically saying to leave plenty time because you will face traffic delays this afternoon. I know uh, last night I was travelling in the city and this was about quarter past seven, 7.30 and major delays along Horgan's Quay into the city centre and it was all to do with the volume of traffic. It wasn't to do with a crash or anything like that, just the volume of traffic and it remained that way uh, right into nine o'clock, 9.30. Uh, so it would just tell you the amount of people that are on the roads over the next few days. So bear that in mind. Now, on the issue of insurance, and we spoke uh, and we heard earlier from Jason, uh, who basically went into the garage for to get his car sorted out. The insurance company charged him 21 euro for a temporary substitution. When he went back in to extend that, he was being charged another 21 euro. Now a lot of people are onto us saying, yeah, they have had a similar situation. Uh, we just had to transfer our car insurance for a week while our car was in the garage. Says this particular texter, and we were charged 10 euro. That is a complete rip off. While Mary says, yes, I had the same. Thing happened to me. I had to do a temporary transfer and they charged me 25 euros per transfer. I was very cross about this, but I got no satisfaction whatsoever from my broker, says Mary. While Sean in Newcastle West, same situation as Jason Bush. Sean saying, Uh, He was charged 20 euro for his temporary transfer and the reason he was putting his car into the garage was for a pre-NCT check. So he says they're taking money now off us at every angle. We have to get the NCT NCT done and to ensure my car would pass that I wanted to check that everything was going to be okay. So I put it in the garage. It's going to cost me enough to get the car checked from the garage and then I have to pay uh, for a temporary transfer with insurance. I need a car, says Sean in Newcastle West, as I commute to work. Uh, so you can see the anger of people here. It's just that every angle you go to, you were charged for something. Uh, but here's a one from Mary. And she says her daughter was charged by her car insurance company, 36 euros. Wait for this, though, to change her address. Now, she was trying to contact them several times by phone. She was left holding for so long that she had to hang up and she was at work when she then decided to email them and she got a reply back from the insurance company to say you have to contact them by phone only. But she could not get through by phone. Anyhow, she eventually got through a week later to the insurance company. Mary saying, what a joke. And happy Christmas to all, Mary. Many happy returns. But 36 euros for a change of address. There's either two things there. They're just charging for anything. Or else your daughter was moving maybe from a county area to a city area. And what can happen with that when it comes to insurance, the rates are different. So there's a higher risk in urban areas and city areas than there would be in in rural areas when it comes to insurance risks and they can and you can be charged a higher amount if your car is parked overnight at a city address than in a rural address so that could be one of the issues I'm not too sure though that was explained correctly to your daughter. I would hope that is the reason for that and that they're not just charging your daughter 36 euros just to simply change an address and a policy. I would presume it is what I said, but if it is just for changing the address, that that seems a bit unfair. But a lot of people in contact with us, the same as Jason, temporary transfer and you're charged for that now they were always free uh, now they are charging people I'm not too sure when this actually came in it must be a, a relatively new thing because uh, up to a year ago uh, I haven't heard about this but a lot of people have been hit by this so only it seems in the last year or two anyway uh, hit by an extra charge just to get your car in the garage get another one as a temporary transfer and people annoyed at that and Noreen was on to us and this is something she has spotted and she was out and about over the last week and she spotted this a lot and maybe you have as well. It's always an issue to do with mobile phones and everybody nowadays obsessed with looking at their mobile phones when they are out or they're with family. Or maybe you'll see it Christmas Day around the dinner table. A lot of people banning phones now in many bars and restaurants because they feel people are too busy looking down on the phone than actually speaking to an actual person they are with. Well, Noreen says she was out a lot this week in the city doing bits and pieces and also then in various towns. So she popped into a restaurant for a bite to eat and she saw families coming in Uh, maybe she said they were going to the various pantos because they looked like they they were dressed up in Christmas uh, attire and Christmas jumpers and they all sat down and straight away when the family sat down the mam and the dad got their phones out and they were glued to their phones now she says I accept the mam and dad was young maybe in their 30s but the kids wanted to talk to them And one of the kids was standing on the actual seat trying to get the parents' attention. And the parents were going, yes, and hmm, and yes, and that, and this uh, to them, to the kids, while they were glued to their phone. Noreen said they basically just ignored their children until the food came and then had to look after them to make sure they were eating. But up till then, for a good 15 minutes, uh, they were just sitting there glued to their phones while their kids were trying to interact with them but basically getting no there and the parents were just giving one-line answers to satisfy their kids while having no interest in what they were saying, says Noreen. She says, surely people can leave the phones down and spend quality time with their children or do we have to be constantly now scrolling through Facebook to see what everybody is up to? Uh, Says Noreen. Has she a point on that, especially when it comes to young children and treasuring the time you have uh, with your young children? And if you are in a situation whereby you're going to a panto, which is an experience, and you're going for a treat beforehand, maybe a meal somewhere... And then you see that scenario. Your views are welcome on that. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103. And John was on to us earlier in the programme. And this is to do with a programme that is on RTE. And... He says, RTE were preaching the poor mouth a few weeks ago and then they air a programme called Ireland's Rich Lists, which is going to be shown again uh, near Christmas. But John's point is, with so many people homeless and people who can't afford items for Christmas, people can't afford to buy a home and then you have people in hospital, on trolleys, and then they show this particular TV show. Uh, he feels RTE are getting their priorities wrong. This particular show was giving the two fingers to people out there who are finding it tough, be that people who are homeless or people who are working and can't buy a home or the state of our health service. So many things wrong and this is what we're being shown on the Rich List and looking at people who can well afford to live life in luxury while others are struggling looking at this. Uh, John Fields, it's wrong. Your view on that, welcome. Um, we were discussing with uh, Dr Nick Flynn yesterday from corkgp.ie based in Grenada and this was to do with South Dock and the problems of South Dock and the people who were ringing them and waiting hours to get a call back and then they might not be able to see a doctor and there is a lot of pressure on GP services and on the South Dock service. We discussed that yesterday of uh, O'Caston-Magner well he's an idea he says if a person has a medical card they will go to the doctor more than a person that has to pay No, those he feels who have a medical card he said yeah they're entitled to have one and he has no problem or no issue with that but he feels if GPs are under the pressure they are is it time to charge maybe uh, €5 euro for those who are on a medical card to see a doctor he feels it might take the pressure off Uh, the GPs and he puts it that something that a person gets for free is never appreciated so it does lead to a situation whereby people are using the doctor more he feels than they would if they had to pay for the actual doctor he said this needs to be looked at he says of course the political party that would lo- that would have to do this or would do this would get destroyed by the media uh, but he says somebody has to intervene for the sake of our gp services but no one will because a political party that would go along and do this would get destroyed do you agree with Dennis he feels those who have a medical card go to the doctor more than those who have to pay and if someone with a medical card who was entitled to them, that had to pay a fiver just to attend the GP. Well then it might reduce the pressure on GP services. Your views on that are welcome 1850 333 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 On the way we have uh, an interesting chat with an author about a book it's called Return to Cinder. It's a fantastic book. You'll probably remember the postcards by John Hind Very famous Irish postcards from the 60s and 70s and what this book by Paul Kelly is doing is basically getting a picture for example, of Mallow or Patrick Street or the coastline from the 60s and comparing it to today. A fantastic book and we'll speak with him later in the show but on the way we're going to discuss the continuing crisis of insurance when it comes to the childcare sector. We're going to hear firsthand, we're going to speak to a person that is running a particular childcare facility and the pressure they are facing. C-103
2: Jobs
3: With Hewitt College now enrolling for Christmas Junior and Leaving Certificate Revision Courses. Your success is built on... On their experience, see hewittcollege.ie.
4: And on today's job spot, we have opportunities for a delivery driver wanted for a busy takeaway in Bandon. A full, clean driving licence is essential. They also require a kitchen porter with some experience for an immediate start. Email your CV to info at daniels.ie. And a truck driver is wanted for a lifestyle haulage, a, a livestock haulage in the Mitchelstown area. You can contact James on 87 4294 or email mfeeds at gmail.com At Del Forno Tiles and Timber they're hiring an experienced showroom salesperson for their Cork store. You can email them with your CV to hr at delforno.ie You'll get these jobs and more opportunities now. Go online to c103.ie for its last job.
3: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are
4: currently closed.
2: Cork Today on C103. Tricia with
4: your comment 1850 333 103 Crecious that were insured with one of only two leading childcare insurers which is quitting the market will see their premiums at least double next year. Gillian Powell who runs the Haven Montessori in and is joining me to discuss this crisis which is facing the industry and will continue to do so. Good morning to you Gillian. Good
6: morning John
4: Paul. Uh, Gillian you're in the front line of this so we're hearing from politicians we're hearing from groups representing your particular industry but you know only too well what that's happening on the ground. Uh, first of all, yourself, does this affect you with this particular insurance company or are you per- with another personally, insurer?
6: Personally, it, I, I'm with the other insurance company, but very many people are very badly affected. But this, it, this whole insurance debacle is just a sem- symptom of a crisis in the industry. And we're lurching from crisis to crisis. And really, it points to total underfunding. If creches and preschool providers are in such trouble with a 1,000 euro unexpected bill, which this essentially is. That means that the whole sector is just dysfunctional. And I think people, I think the Minister particularly and the department and the government need to stand back and reconsider this whole sector and the funding model. When free secondary education was introduced in Ireland, you know, it was funded properly, teachers were paid properly and society benefited when free third level education was introduced in Ireland, it's adequately funded and uh, people that have been educated to third level in Ireland have made huge contributions across the world. So this crisis is bad and let me tell you, there will be more crises coming down the line for the childcare sector because we can't retain staff. We're we're lurching from bill to bill. You're, it, the whole sector is in, in a terrible crisis and um, you know there you know there's tough gap measures being brought in but the whole thing is pointing to the fact that this model is wrong. Um, if you consider robust research across the world, it indicates that children under two um, group care is not damaging for them yet the, is is very damaging for them sorry to correct myself there very damaging for children under two and the only financial model that works, for children is, and in for caring for children, is a big crash, and very many staff don't want to work in these, in these uh, big institutions, and they're damaging for children, particularly under two. So the government are pushing this whole system of education for early years, and it's a broken model. It's a dysfunctional model. And I just wish they would stop now and give parents choice, and then fund a high-quality early years education model.
4: Are you fearful with the insurance crisis now facing the industry and indeed the sector being underfunded, as you clearly pointed out there, that the government are basically hoping uh, that more smaller operations, which probably will go under over the next year, uh, that the bigger chains would just pick up the, the rest of the uh, uh, of the areas the the across, across Cork, whereby they're losing their local creche and oh, that they yeah. will fund themselves and that they won't oh, have to fund oh, any oh, money. Okay.
6: I think that's the plan the government has in their mind. And I think it's a very, very bad plan. It'll have a very, it'll have dark consequences for society going forward. It's the plan that's in, in, in action in England. And in England, 500 uh, preschool providers per month are closing down. And over, I think there's uh, tens of thousands of children are now educated by 10 or 11 big chains. So that's a model we should not promoting in Ireland. It's a model that's very damaging to society. Um, In Germany now, 90% of mothers stay at home with their children uh, under the ages of two. And I think if German mothers and fathers want that and are getting that, that Irish mothers and fathers should be getting that too. In Scandinavian countries where, um, you know, in the past, in the 70s and 80s group um, childcare was the thing, They've all reverted back. Only 17% of Swedish parents now are outside the home when children are are under two. There's a very well-funded early years education system in in, in European countries now, and that's the model we should be promoting. We should not be going down the road of big crash chains, coming into Ireland and running childcare facilities. That's what the government wants, because it's the cheapest option. But we'll go down the road of old, old people's homes, yeah we'll we'll do all of this big institutional care and then we'll go be going back to home care again we have there is no vision in this sector now at the moment we don't have a vision for high quality care that is properly funded and you know very many of these we're we're very disappointed with the minister in the sector because she you know advocates for women and yes these wonderful women across the country and particularly across west cork that have set up these loving places of care, which many of the small preschools are, are being, you know, pushed out of the market. And I'd say the government plan has been this all along. That's what very many of us have, have, have discovered to our cost. They want the big chains in because that's the cheapest model, but it's the most damaging for these young children. And if we don't, you know, if we don't care for these children properly and give parents choice we're going to pay a huge price in society. What about uh, the
4: organisations uh, though, Gillian, that represents uh, your sector? For example, Early Childhood Ireland. I mean, they're encouraging people to join them because they say they can offer a discount to people who, who need insurance.
6: Well, Early Childhood Ireland are funded by the government to the tune of 1800000 euros a year. So that's one form of representation. They do some good work, but that clearly is a conflict of interest. I mean, you know, um, other there are other associations, so I don't see why you should be penalised if you're a member of the Association of Childhood Professionals or the Federation of Child Care Providers. You shouldn't be penalised in your insurance company, you know, and just because you're a member of a different organization. I, I think that I think we have a case to go before the insurance um, you know, the, um, the competition authority, that's an unfair advantage, you know, and if we're in the marketplace, it should be a level of playing pitch for everybody.
4: And with regards then to other childcare, like, like yourself and independent childcare providers, I have a number of parents that to be here who worry for next year because they're living in areas where th- their own parents are nearby. So they don't have the luxury of going and dropping their child to their parents if they don't have childcare. And they're fearful and they've known in the past of smaller childcare places closing because uh, the owner will tell them the margins are too tight with the insurance oh, costs okay. and everything. The margins are too tight. Is that something you're facing?
6: that's something I'm facing. Uh, Regrettably, I will be closing next September. I mean, you know, in the past, people have, you know, been content to work for very, very small wages, but the job hasn't been as demanding and complex as it is now. It's become, the margins have become impossible. And this year and last year particularly, the margins have been really tight. And we are prohibited from passing on any cost to parents which is fair enough, but we're not funded well enough to cope with that. Like in the past, when I was an independent provider, I would have, and I would have been very fair with parents, but I would have said, look, this insurance, you know, costs are increasing, so I have to pass on this cost across all of the parents in the setting. And parents were happy enough with that. But when we're government funded, we cannot do that. But I, I can tell you now, when you look across the world, this exact Scheme that the government lawed, um, you know, the National Child Care Scheme, was brought in in Quebec in Canada, which is a society that's very like our own. But there has been a 10-year longitudinal study done on this exact scheme in Quebec by the University of Toronto. And they've discovered that it, children's outcomes have gone backwards across all indicators. That's their gross motor skills, their fine motor skills, their language skills, their social skills. And the thing that has been, you know, the the thing that has been affected most has been family relations. And I'm just surprised that the departments, you know, are unaware of this research or that they're hammering this system when it's not good for children, when, you know, it's not good for families. So it really is a question as society that we have to stand back and say, is there another way? There has to be a better way. Can those parents that were on to you maybe get together with other parents in their area and operate a MEL type system, support one another to care for their children in in a, in a community. I mean community childcare is uh, systems are brilliant, but they have to be properly funded. I
4: yeah, and if you're putting them into the big chains, as you mentioned, that they're going into big chains of childcare who were there simply for profit.
6: It's not, it's not sustainable. Number one, and it's not good for children. And I mean, I would recommend everybody that is considering putting their children into big chains to read Professor Stephen Biddle's book, Raising Babies. Um, he's correlated research from around the world and he's correlated the experiences of people working in chains. And even with high quality, babies under two are, are do not do well in these, in these systems. I know that's a disturbing truth. It's an inconvenient truth for people to hear. And I really don't want to be stressing any parents out. But I really do want to be stressing government ministers and government TDs out. This model for society has consequences. Yes, you might want parents out in the workforce, but there's a price to be paid for that. And I know it's very complex, and it comes back to housing again, because obviously I think most parents are working to put a roof over their head. And as a society we have serious questions to answer if the young children are going to pay the price for our economic failures in the last decade and decades before. This is a very complex issue, I appreciate that, but If you're putting a system in place, it has to be very well thought out. It can't be lurching from insurance crisis to registration crisis to regulation crisis. Um, It has to put the children at the heart of it. It has to really be aware of the importance of these early years and the attachment to parents and how important that is for our future society. There's a big price to be paid for this if we go down the road of big chains coming into West Cork or the Cork area. The people of Cork know that. That's why most parents try their utmost to work part-time or to be at home with their children as much as they can.
4: And you've been operating in this sector for many years now. I mean, what, if you, as you say, you're going to close next year, what are you going to do yourself? I mean, your, your staff I, that are I, there, what are your staff and your employees well, going to do from now on?
6: I've always encouraged the wonderful people in my service to upskill and Uh, I suppose all of us have done that over the years. So I'm going to go on and do some lecturing and working in early childhood and supporting people that are going into this sector. That's why I'm so passionate about it now. You know, I want it to be right for those women that care for those children in such a loving way. And I see that every day of the week. I want to be an advocate for the children of tomorrow and for parents and advocate you know, a better early years education system. I mean, other one of our staff has just recently become a primary school teacher. Another staff member has gone to work in the bank. And they're very talented women. They That's the point. You see, this sector educated itself. And they're now able to get jobs in other sectors. And they're not going to put up with the pittance wages that they get in this sector. I mean, it's not sustainable.
4: And uh, what do you make then of you mentioned wages there? The financial bailout that was announced this week by the Minister Catherine mean what, what do you make of that one-off well, bailout? Well,
6: it's, it's it's very welcome, and I know some people are in dire situations, so they'll have to do with it. But but from my gathering of the whole situation, again, it, it benefits the larger outfits. You know, the larger chains are going to benefit from this, and. There are some people in a very difficult position, um, I think, and even uh, in the Cork area. Like um, So uh, um, Allianz, who are the underwriters for Arrakis, are not prepared to take on board people who have had, a, who have an open claim or a prior claim. So they're in a very difficult situation, and I don't see how they're going to square that circle before January the 1st. That's going to be very difficult for them. So I would worry for those. And I mean, the whole insurance sector points again to the fact that, you know, personal responsibility comes into every action in our lives and what we do. Like if we're claiming for, you know, slips and falls in crashes, that when your children are actually going to be all right, that has huge consequences. If two aren't doing their job and inspecting creches properly and shutting down the ones who are unsafe and parents then when RTE do a program, You know, and that all has consequences. So we have to take personal responsibility for what we do in every area of our lives and I think the government has to take personal responsibility for the underfunding in this sector.
4: Okay, well Gillian, it's it's sad to hear that you're one of those who will be leaving the sector uh, but I can understand why and like so many who are contacting us they're thinking of doing the same because of what is happening and it's sad to see that the smaller operations which are probably the more caring ones are the ones that will lose out on this for the moment. uh, Something I'm sure will come back to you in the new year about Gillian. John Paul,
6: I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for um, being able to voice this and to thank the parents and the wonderful children that I've had the opportunity to work with and the wonderful, amazing women and colleagues across Cork uh, city and county who who really are doing Trojan work and lovely work with children. So I hope that the government does put a policy in place that supports those types of services because they are wonderful.
4: Well, hopefully, as I said, it's something that we'll be going back to in the new year because I can see the texts coming in from parents who are worried about what will happen. For the moment, Gillian, thanks for joining us and best of luck in the future uh, to you and all there in the Haven Montessori in Bandian. Gillian Powell, uh, the owner and runs that particular uh, Montessori school. You can see and you can hear there on the front line what actually is happening in the sector and the worries now that many parents are facing. Your views are welcome. Maybe you're one of those parents uh, like so many that have contacted us who are worried about where indeed their child may have to go next year in terms of childcare 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 86 a beautiful book uh, you remember the postcards by John Hind from the 60s and 70s well uh, this book looks at the pictures from then and compares them to now we'll speak uh, with Paul Kelly uh, the author of the book next mm-hmm. now a beautiful book landed on our desk last week and it brings us back to an era of John Hind postcards with a modern twist on this chat about his book Return to Cinder revisiting John Hines Ireland I'm joined by photographer Paul Kelly on the program Good morning to you Paul
7: Good morning John Paul
4: And thanks for joining us this is a fabulous book beautiful book and it's amazing to see the differences from certain locations across Ireland uh, from back in the in the 60s or 70s to now I suppose first of all how did the idea come up to form this particular book
7: Uh, Well, um, the idea came really from my father. My father grew up in County Roscommon, Balladarian. In in, I think he was born. Well, he was born in 1923, and in 19 um, during the war, he went to England, became a machinist, met my mother, and they immigrated in the early 1950s to to California, to Los Angeles, California. Now, I grew up in Los Angeles. I grew up in the 1960s in in Los Angeles in California, and my father would travel back to Ireland in the 60s and send us, the family, these lovely John Hine postcards in the mail, and they were beautiful and dreamlike, but I was a bit confused because my father would always tell me how damp and dreary and wet Ireland was, you know? And then I get these lovely John Hine postcards in the post, and it didn't look wet or dreary at all to me because, of course, as, as we all know, the John Hein postcards were showed in Ireland. It was bright and sunny and very, very colorful. So in 1969, it was the first time I came to Ireland with my father. And in subsequent years, throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I would come back to Ireland with my father and I would send John Hine postcards. So um, fast forward to uh, about four years ago, my father passed away after uh, a long illness, uh, dementia. And I found myself in Dublin at the George Street Arcade, and I was sort of rambling through there, and I came across a stall with old photographs, and as a photographer, I love old photographs, and I particularly like old postcards. Um, So I came across this Stack of John Hine postcards at this stall, and I sort of, sort of going through them, and it was, you know, the penny dropped. Um, I knew what I had to do. You know, I had to the, the sense of retracing John Hine's steps as he traveled to Ireland, taking these uh, beautiful images and postcards of Ireland. Uh, I wanted to do that, and at the same time, return uh, to those places I went with my father. And, I, and the fond memories I had with my father uh, in Ireland, and all those travels that we went. So that's where it came from. That, uh, that's where the idea of, of doing the compare and contrast old post- old postcards with contemporary.
4: Photographs. So you basically then traveled around the country, uh, tried to stand in the exact spot of the original postcard. A photograph then was taken. I mean, how did you select the particular postcards in question? Because there's an amount of them in the book, fantastic photos, but was it tough to select uh, various areas?
7: It was. Um, I think John Hine took over 450, 460 postcards of Ireland, so I had a lot to choose from. But I wanted to get a good representation of the island. I also wanted to, you know, also I also was limited by um, growth, and and particularly in terms of plants and trees, and as you talked about earlier, you know, um, new housing developments. A lot of places I couldn't even take the photograph because it was a housing development, or a housing development was in the way, and I couldn't take the shot.
4: Oh, interesting, yeah.
7: So it was... Um, Strangely enough, I I found that uh, going to Google Maps and Google Street View and sort of getting a sense like uh, figuring out areas or or locations I could take um, and getting a good sense, um, a a good idea that, yeah, maybe I could take this, but then I'd have to go and actually physically stand and say, yeah, that's that's doable or, or it's not doable. I think the one thing that, that I found has changed dramatically in Ireland, is, the, is some, it's particularly in the uh, rural areas, of course. There are more trees, and the hedges uh, have, have grown. They're taller. They're not as well kept, I think, in the 1960s and 1970s that you see in the John Hine photograph. So I, I had to battle a lot with, with shrubbery and, and bushes and trees to get the shots
4: and interesting when you say that looking at the coastal photos as well in some of them you can see the erosion along the coastline from the original picture uh, to the ones you have taken so there has been a change in some and then with some of them uh, Paul for example I was looking there at a picture of the Gap of Dunlough in Kerry no change there and similar then with the likes of St Colm's Cathedral in Cove so there is areas where there's a little change or no change but then you will notice that, for example streets I'm sure you notice streets like Patrick Street or there's a beautiful yeah. one you took of in Mallow and that has changed now where at the end of Mallow, there's a new plaza, and that wasn't there when you took the initial photo. So those type of scenarios have changed majorly.
7: Yeah, I agree with you. But, you know, I'll tell you what, though. from um, For me, coming with this sort of an untrained eye, like, for example, I did um, a photograph of, you say, Mallow, and hmm. Skibberine was another one.
4: I see that in Skib, yeah, and the difference in the shops and even the yeah. AIB bank and the different signage right, that they have, exactly. yeah.
7: But for me, I look at it and say, you know, not too much has changed. Yeah, hmm. the cars are a bit different. And yeah. Some of the buildings are different color paint, but by and large, it, it's all there. But it's interesting, because uh, I would often, um, in my travels, talk to local people and, and try to find out where this postcard was taken. And and they would always say, look how much it's changed. Look how much Mallow's changed. And I would think, yeah, it has, but has it really? But they're looking at it from a different perspective. You know, they're looking at it from, well, you know, that, that, the pub is no longer there, or that butcher's is gone now, and now it's a cafe. Or So they see a lot of changes in behind the walls, as it were, or behind the windows. Where I'm looking at it, just in structures and that type of thing and I don't see a lot
4: That's true that's a very good point I'm looking here at one of Ballet Hub, and there's very little difference the garage I think is the only one that has been redone but the overall uh, the shops and the biddlings and every the scenery in the background is as it is apart from as you mentioned the cars on the street so I totally can get what you're saying there Are you getting a big reaction to the book because I think no matter what age you are you're going to love this particular book
7: I am and I'm surprised of it because you know this is my first solo book, so you never really know how it's going to do, mm. but I tell you i'm it's a people love it you know i think i find a lot of people enjoy the book because it's uh when it's reasonably it's a reasonably priced book and it's a good you know christmas gift and the, and the like but i think people it's a type of book that you can you can put down you can look at you can go back to it's you know a lot of these picture books, you look at it once and you put it on the shelf and you don't do it again. I, I truly believe you can look at this. Even even today, uh, I'm looking at this book and finding and looking for changes, you know, and you know, I took the photographs, uh, for the <laughs> comparison, but I'm, <laughs> I'm still looking and saying, look at that. I didn't notice that before mm-hmm. when I took the photographs. So it's one of those books I think you can get really involved with, and I think people like that
4: indeed and I'm just looking here at another picture from Mitchellstown uh, and it's very similar the shop fronts are the only thing that has changed it hasn't changed at all as a town uh, everything is in, in the same place anyhow it's a beautiful book Paul uh, thank you for taking time out to join us today on the show best of luck with it I'm sure it will do really well for you and I'm sure it is also available in all good bookshops across the country
7: well, we'll- Thank you very, very much, John
4: Paul. Thanks for joining us. That is Paul Kelly there, photographer. The book is called Return to Cinder, Revisiting John Hines, Ireland. As I mentioned, by Paul Kelly. It's published by Guild Books and it is available in the majority of bookshops. A fantastic book. It would make a fantastic Christmas present. And no matter what age you are, you would love flicking through all the various photos from across Ireland in that particular book. Thanks, Paul, for joining us this morning. Good afternoon to you, JP, with you. And for Patricia Messenger, right through until 1 Bernie takes your calls and comments 1850 333 103. Or indeed, you can text on WhatsApp 086 103. 103. You can email jp at c103.ie or indeed tweet us this afternoon at c103 cork. Uh, We will be going to the movies with Mark later, but a number of comments into us. And first of all, going back uh, to a comment that Dennis in Castle Magner made. And this was a conversation we were having yesterday with Dr. Nick Flynn regarding the South Dock Service and the crisis that is really uh, facing all GPs in this country and also delays within the South Dock service people ringing the service getting callbacks three or four hours later and the staff being very open and honest, not their fault they can only do the best they can uh, with limited resources but uh, telling uh, people who are ringing that uh, the the next step is to do X, Y, Z, you could be waiting for a doctor for another while and then telling those that there's another 200 calls yet to be made uh, for for the nurse that rings back she has more calls to make and this could be 11, 12 o'clock at night so there is a demand on the particular service and with that general discussion on demands for GPs in this particular country uh, Dennis made uh, a suggestion that maybe those who have a medical card when they go to the doctor he feels they go to the doctor more than a person who has to pay so with that in mind he says those who are entitled to a medical card he's no issue with that but if GPs are under pressure is it time to charge them maybe something like 5 euro every time they go along and visit a GP now that is Dennis and Castle Magner's view on that he also says though he does also think that if somebody's getting something for free so if you're receiving something for free all the time you don't appreciate it uh, than someone who actually has to pay for it and also if this was to happen uh, anybody that would introduce this sort of thing like a political party that they would get destroyed by the public and indeed the media anyhow on what Dennis and his idea on that uh, Mary has text sent to say I have a medical card even though I'm well over the income limit due to my job in the public sector that I had to give up though because of multiple sclerosis. Now I left that particular job, I received nothing, I resigned so I am now on social welfare and as I can no longer drive I have to hire a taxi and that cost me €100 euro to transport me and my powered wheelchair that I bought also by myself from my house to the doctor. Then I I have to wait for that particular taxi to bring me home while I'm within the doctor's surgery. So there is no way that I could afford a five euro charge just to go and visit the doctor, uh, says Mary on text to 086 2103 103 uh, with the medical car because of the other uh, financial burdens that she is facing. While Ben in Charnville says, he has a medical card and he feels that they could charge €10 euro for a doctor visit. That would be a reasonable amount says Ben. And the same he says in the terms when it comes to free travel. Uh, they could charge €5 euro for each journey on the free travel to take pressure off the public's uh, system when it comes to uh, public service travel and also when it comes to GPs uh, says Ben in Charnelville. Your view on that I mean is Dennis right and Ben agreeing with him that there should be some charge for those who hold a medical card and when they go to the doctor they should be charged something like a 5 or 10 euros it might prevent people who just keep going along to the GP because they have a medical card they know they can access the services for free and is that putting extra pressure then on GP services if there was a charge it might reduce the pressure or is that the way to go Uh, let us know 1850 103, text or whatsapp 0862 103103 and the issue earlier we spoke to Councillor Cahill Rasmussen on concerns locally in Cove and this is the development of a large housing estate in the area. Locals are worried because of the infrastructure around that particular estate uh, mainly due to the road network and they feel the road network won't be able to take extra traffic for uh, those particular homes. Now I know the developer uh, will include those plans to widen and sort out the road network but then we have heard from other areas of Cork whereby housing estates were built there were promised new roadways uh, new entrances into the estate and all of that it never happened people are still driving up boring roads into brand new housing estates that first of all look at a place where they are uh, because you're driving on a, a small country road and then th- there's a massive housing estate out of nowhere uh, but that wasn't meant to be the case in the planning there was always supposed to be a new road built elsewhere uh, maybe Exiting that town or village Anyhow On that Eileen is in Bandon And she said She used to live in Cove And she knows that particular road That we were talking about earlier With Councillor Cahill Rasmussen And she says It is little more than a Boreen If two cars meet They must slow down It used to be a lovely road To go walking But since the houses have been built You would be taking your life In your hands To go walking there If they are allowing A development like that They should widen all the roads Beverly Bridge also needs to be widened as that is the only way off the island says Aline in Bandon and you're right Aline and that is something we mentioned as well uh, to Councilor and on the fact that there's only one way in and out of Cove he did mention a new road is to be built but it could be 5 it could be 10 it could be 15 years uh, before that road is built these houses will be built within a year or two so uh, without the new road networks uh, the houses being built and opened and sold and all of that uh, it's not going to make for interesting timely delivery when it comes to the road network there especially for those concerns from locals who are living in the area know the situation uh, and also the outside of the actual road network there's the sewerage and water which I know they dealt with there when we when we spoke about that earlier on but it, it does come in uh, to factor that if you get a lot of new houses in one area can the existing system cope then uh, and I know there's arguments in Cove that it will cope but it's the road network is, is the big concern there from uh, those in the area Eileen thank you for your call on that I'm going to stick with roads for the minute because Dunica is in Glenmire, and he is saying the back road from the tunnel to Little Island the hedgerow there at the side was trimmed by the council but they never picked up the rubbish that was within the hedgerow so all the rubbish now is left on the side of the road so when hedgerows are cut Like that he says It exposes all the rubbish Which has been dumped Uh, Cutting it now Makes it look a lot worse And now it's all blowing Into the sea uh, Says Dunica in Glammire When it comes to uh, Cutting hedgerows And the rubbish That is in those hedgerows That has been dumped By uh, passers uh, Those motorists Who are passing by Or whatever they're driving Dumping their uh, items Out of the car Into the particular hedgerows And then when the hedgerows Are tackled Uh, The rubbish is left there. It's uh, flying around the road and at this point, as Dunica says in Glamair, it's blowing into the sea. Anyhow, thank you for your call on that, Dunica. Also on roads, Vera, and wants to warn people of a very dangerous pothole on the Fermoy to Tallow road just beyond Carrageen Cross. It's heading towards Tallow. There's a car there this morning. Vera says that has been very that has been very badly damaged on this particular road. The car's wheel, and it looks like the 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 side of the car as well has been damaged by this particular pothole. Says Vera. Now the road is in a shocking condition. It's a national primary route, and you would think that this particular route from Fermoy to Tallow uh, would be maintained, but Vera says no it is not and warning people of that dangerous portal for Oye to Tallow Road just beyond Carraghane Cross as you head uh, towards Tallow be mindful of that uh, number of cars but one particular car uh, very badly damaged this morning on that particular roadway Vera thank you for your call to 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 086 2 103, 103 and also on the issue of crashes and families who were facing high costs uh, for putting their child in a crash While both parents have to work to meet the ever demanding costs when it comes to living uh, in Cork at the moment and indeed living anywhere in this country. And we we heard firsthand from Gillian Powell of the Haven Montessori in Bandon and her own story and how all local creches, uh, what they are facing in terms of the sector being underfunded and also the increase in insurance costs. But how some money are going to close like her own one, people with that, that great experience in childcare it will be lost because they just have to close their doors because the margin isn't big enough to keep going. And the fear is also that the big chains will come in now and they have a different way of acting and different way of operating uh, when it comes to the personal care I suppose you would get from a smaller creche. And with that, uh, Maria, says, myself and my husband work. We have two young kids. Uh, they are going to our local creche and they have been doing so for the last two and a half years. But our creche owner has warned us that she has to look at things, not for next year, but for 2021. She will still operate next year and into the school season of 2020 to 2021. But after that, in May 2021, she may be finishing up. And now it may seem like a long time away, but there's nowhere else where we live that facilitates. She's booked out. We're looking to get a place but if she decides uh, to go and leave and shut up uh, shop where do I go with my children it's a worry that so many parents are facing and I'm not from this area so I don't have the luxury of having family nearby and so many other people are in that situation as well whereby uh, they're living in an area family are nearby the crash is closing there's no other creche in the area they can't find a child minder anybody who's doing it then maybe on a private capacity is full can't take any more children it's a really worrying time for parents who are finding themselves in that particular situation anyhow thanks for your calls and comments and earlier we heard from Jason who was charged 21 euro for doing a temporary sub and we heard from so many other people who were being charged uh, for basically changing their car uh, temporarily a temporary transfer so if you're uh, putting a your car like Jason was into the garage to get it repaired and the garage then basically give you another car so you can go to work or do what you have to do and you transfer the insurance with your insurance company. Uh, The latest we're hearing now and this is happening for a year or more is that the insurance companies now are charging people uh, for transferring their insurance. We're getting prices from 30 euro to 20 euro. I thought maybe it was because people had transferred seven to eight cars over the one year and that does happen whereby if you transfer a lot uh, in one year by the way of temporary transfers the insurance company will be asking questions going why is this happening is there a risk here and they will charge you more but no that isn't the case these people just transferred it to once or twice maybe in the whole year and they're seemingly now for the majority of companies that charge uh, not all of the comp- insurance companies but some of them if you're uh, transferring your car on a temporary measure well then we had a call from Mary who was telling us that her daughter was charged 36 euro for changing her address, just the address. And I was presuming that, and I was hoping, uh, I said to Mary, that maybe... It's a situation that in some insurance companies they look at the risk and if you're transferring uh, from a rural area into an urban area they will increase your policy if you're changing address to from rural to urban because they consider some urban areas more risky especially if a car is parked overnight in a housing estate they consider that a higher risk than being parked in a rural area and they look at crimes and stats and all of that kind of thing. Uh, so I presume maybe that was one of the reasons and I was hoping it was. Mary has come back to say no No, not the reason. So I now can't figure out why she was charged 36 euro for just simply changing the address. I mean, was it an admin admin charge? Is that the way insurance companies are going? And a lot of people questioning what is the government doing to maintain and monitor insurance companies if they are charging now just to change an address. And Mary said that her daughter has simply moved a kilometre from Dundrum to Sandyford, So she still lives in the same, more or less, area of the city in Dublin. You're right, Mary, I, I... don't know why uh, she was charged that particular amount just simply for a change of address. I mean, sometimes in insurance and in every industry, the system can play up and it can add an extra charge because of something in the system. But you would just knock that off. You wouldn't say we have to charge you this because we're changing your address, especially if it's in the same area and you're not changing uh, the risk zone. Anyhow, uh, it's an interesting one and interesting to see that people are being charged now, Mary's daughter, anyhow, for simply changing her address on her insurance policy. Uh, thank you for your whatsapp to 0862 103 103. Uh, heading to the movies soon with Mark and also more of your calls and comments to get through on various items The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting
3: businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie.
4: Codollary bingo That's going to be held tonight In the Community Hall There at 8.30 Eddie Stones will lead Prayer and Rosary At St Mary's Church in Mallow From 7.30pm this evening And Mallow Swans are holding A fundraising sponsor swim That's going ahead Tomorrow morning It's an aid of Cork Simon The senior swim 10k Is from 5.45am to 8.45 a.m. Intermediates then will swim 4k from 8.45 a.m. to 10.45 and juniors then will swim 2k from 10.45 to 11.45. That's a ruffle as well on the day for a signed senior cork hurling jersey. And the blood transfusion board they're holding clinics in the Middleton Park Hotel there on this coming Sunday from 12 to 3.30 and again a Monday from 3 to 5 and 7 to 9 or if you want to go into the city centre clinic to St. Fim Hospital. They are open from 9 a.m. to 1 on this coming Sunday.
3: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently
4: closed.
2: Cork today On scene 103 Call Patricia With your comment 1850 333
4: 103 And a text in Actually a number of texts in From people who are travelling At the moment On the roads One person saying I'm on the road now For over an hour And the amount of people Driving with no lights on Is absolutely frightening We've been monitoring this And there's more females Driving with no lights on Than males Says this particular text there. And also switch on your fog lights uh, This particular text there is saying Yes a heavy fog at the moment in the majority areas of Cork especially across North Cork and we are getting reports on the Cork to Mallow Road of heavy fog so just take care if you're driving this afternoon also if you're driving this afternoon we have heard that from and it's happening as we speak traffic is getting heavier now on roads out of Cork and in the city areas as well and the towns across Cork because today this afternoon and tomorrow and indeed Monday one of the busiest days for traffic on our roads as people leave wherever they're working to head home for Christmas or people are uh, catching the last minute shops to get the last bits and pieces uh, for the Christmas rush at home. But uh, because of that, the AA is warning of heavy traffic across the country this afternoon. So if you are driving, mind yourself with the fog, but also uh, expect a lot more traffic on our roads, especially take time and add time to your journey. Uh, Don't be rushing because you are going to face delays right across the afternoon here in the Cork area Uh, Conor Faulkner was speaking with us earlier on, and he says the exit is starting around now uh, and it will continue Uh, he spoke to us earlier on what people can expect wherever they are across the country or wherever they are travelling to here in Ireland
5: So you'll see a build-up of traffic moving out of Dublin on M4, M7
2: etc you'll see a build-up of traffic coming out out of Cork from lunchtime on so it's an unusual pattern to the traffic today rush hour very diminished but in mid-afternoon, those arterial routes are going to get very busy.
4: So mind yourselves on the roads this afternoon and watch out for that fog as well, which is still lingering here in the Cork area. From rose to rubbish and a texter has sent in a number of photos of someone basically who was driving on a road in Mallow and dumped a bag of rubbish. The texter says there is an individual driving from Mallow to the Donneril area and they're going up through the Iron Mines area of Mallow. Now that person thinks it's a great idea to dump a full bag of household rubbish out the car window every day. I just hope this person is listening. The Gardaí have been notified and this animal will be caught someday and exposed for this and they're sent on pictures and one of the bags is on the road and it looks like a truck or something has rolled over uh, the actual bag of rubbish and there is rubbish right across the road and it doesn't look good for anybody travelling or coming home for Christmas in that particular area. Uh, Thank you for that and thank you for the text and whoever is doing that uh, will basically don't do it again you're destroying the area there. I want to give a mention to the big book sale that is going on in Penny Dinners this afternoon. We spoke to sports broadcaster Trevor Welch earlier in the month and we thank you. So many people dropped in a number of new and old unwanted sports books to us. They are all now a penny dinners you would have heard there on the news the day so far is going well and if you want to go along their books are just costing 5 euro uh, this afternoon there'll be a host of Cork sporting personalities in penny dinners this afternoon I'll be there later in the afternoon as well along with the C103 Street Fleet so if you want to buy a sports book there's new and old unwanted sports books but all in very good condition in Penny Dinners this afternoon and all the proceeds from the big book sale go to Penny Dinners and it's all happening across the afternoon up to 6 o'clock this evening at Penny Dinners in 4 Little Hanover Street in the city centre uh, C103 Street Fleet are there across the day and I'll be there later on as well uh, this afternoon supporting Penny Dinners uh, some great work Katrina Toomey and the gang do there. Uh, for so many right across the city and county and C103 of course this year again part of GLOW Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade have you been there already have you walked along the markets got a bit of local produce from the food stalls have you got up in the Ferris Wheel are you a fan have you seen the changes in Cork City from last year to this year on the Ferris Wheel with all the new buildings that are going up along Horgan's Quay and crossing over the river to Albert Quay as well Uh, such a change in our city skyline over the last year or so. You'll see that change if you head up on the Ferris wheel because the street fleet are down there again at Glow this weekend. They'll be there Sunday and Sunday is the final day of everything happening there on the Grand Parade. Have you gone on to Bishop Lucy Park? I haven't got in there. I will try and do so this weekend but I have walked past it and it is looking magical. So well worth it. If you are in and about the area and you want to pop into the city centre check out uh, the Grand Parade. Check out Bishop Lucy. Park and if you aren't too afraid of heights will pop on the Ferris wheel and you'll see the city views there as well So fantastic views if you go on at the daytime you'll notice the difference if you go on at nighttime night it's just spectacular with all the various lights across Cork that's glow uh, happening again this weekend the C103 Street Fleet will be there on Sunday we're going to the movies next with Mark he'll join us uh, looking ahead to some movies uh, the new movies that are out and one of them and I didn't hear about this until he told me earlier on it's called Knives Out we'll review that next
2: Cork today
4: on C103 text
2: or WhatsApp Patricia with your
4: comment. 103 103. And time for our movie review Joined by Mark Malone Good afternoon to you Mark Hi John Paul And now you're reviewing this new movie Which I'll be totally honest I didn't know about it Until you actually mentioned it to me earlier, <laughs> earlier on It's called Knives Out First of all uh, Let's hear a trailer for this new one You've heard the buzz You guys fans?
2: Knives Out is the best murder mystery of all time. No. Yeah. It's an ingenious crowd pleaser with an extraordinary cast.
1: Oh my God. None of them are murderers. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
2: Find out. It'll keep you guessing until the very end. I keep waiting for the
3: big reveal. Knives out.
4: Okay, kind of a who's done it with this one, Mark, and a good enough cast to here.
3: Oh, it's an extraordinary cast. I mean, uh, you might as well, I might as well list them. Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, great to see him back on the screen again, Tony Collette, Christopher Plummer, and even Frank Oz, the voice of Kermit, is, is in this movie. I mean, it's an extraordinary cast, and apparently it was all down to Daniel Craig, who came in first. And once the word got out that Daniel Craig was in the movie, apparently everybody else wanted to be in it. So therefore, they were able to get a cast like that, which is really, really extraordinary. I think the other thing that possibly, um, you know, uh, interested them in this movie is the extraordinary script. And uh, this is written and directed by Ryan Johnson, who uh, made, uh, the, not the current uh, Star Wars movie, but he actually made the last Jedi, the, the one before that, and it's this extraordinary script. And of course, it's not kind of based on a book like like a lot of these whodunits, for, for example, like Agatha Christie, are based on books. Uh, this isn't. This is a brand new script, and that's something that very, very happens these days. And Ryan Johnson has done an extraordinary job here. Uh, I first of all, to get Daniel Craig, who well, you just kind of little kind of a glimpse of it there in in the trailer. He, he has this extraordinary accent when he arrives in the film, and you, first of all, you think, oh goodness me, what's he going to do? Uh, Is he actually going to continue with this accent because he's got this amazing southern drawl? which is kind of similar to kind of Burl lives If you remember Cat and the Hot Tin Roof, it's kind of very, very similar to that. And at first you kind of, you're, you're off, you find it off-putting, but as the film progresses, you do become warmed to it. And this extraordinary performance by Daniel Craig and that, uh, and that voice. And apparently when, when he first did it to the cast, even they went, ooh, we're not sure about this, but it does work. It is extraordinary. And one of the reasons it's extraordinary is because of the extraordinary script. I mean, the cast here are just loving what they're saying. And you can't blame them because very rarely do scripts like, this uh, uh, you know come about. So basically, the story is about uh, Christopher Plummer is this patriarch of this um, of this huge family and uh, and of huge wealth. He is mysteriously found dead. Now that's not a spoiler. That happens very early on in the film, so don't worry about that. And I think if you look at any of the trailers, you'll know that that happens. And at first, it's presumed that he has committed suicide. But a private investigator played by Daniel Craig, who, Craig who's played this uh, character called Benoit Blanc, which is a great name in itself. Uh, he's hired to kind of solve the mystery. Because of course everybody is on and in the will and they all want a share of the monies available and then Blanc believes that uh, there is a suspect at large and everybody has a motive. So the film from then on is just filled with surprises and twists and turns and it's very very clever mind you the, the, the interesting thing i thought about it was that um the start of the film gives you a little bit more information than you normally get normally with kind of movies like this you don't you're not given very much and you have to kind of work it out for yourself as you as you, as you go along they give you a little bit more information than they normally do but the thing about that then is that you're second guessing yourself throughout the whole film because you think you know You think you know who the killer is. You think you know who's responsible. And that might not necessarily be the case.
4: So you're kind of kept guessing right through the entire film. There's no kind of reveal or mini-reveal or anything where you might go, I think it could be him or...? yeah exactly and oh. it's
3: very very cleverly done it really is with all the twists and turns of it, in it. it's a brilliant whodunit I mean it really is I mean I don't know you know it's, it's it, it is in the vein of kind of the old Agatha Christie movies mm. um, um, but it's much more clever than that it's really unpredictable and it, you never ever feel as though you are comfortable with who you actually think uh, the killer is and that's very very clever it's also very funny I mean we could consider it is a whodunit it is a, it is a mystery it's a mystery comedy and it's way more funny than you actually think and you find yourself kind of laughing uh, more often than you actually think as well. The only interesting thing about this is that it's got a very low rating on uh, IMDb and Ryan Johnson made The Last Jedi which was not well received by the fans of, uh, of Star Wars and uh, there is a kind of a, an idea going around that a lot of the Star Wars fans who don't like him because of that movie are actually going on IMDb and giving it a low rating which is very strange uh, especially when you consider that uh, you know it has been very well received uh, the critics love it and it has all also really done very well in the box office which proves I think that young people because young people are the huge majority of people who go to the cinema in the States for example and, and it makes their money that they, they're they not necessarily interested in kind of crash bank movies full of violence and, and shooting and, and explosions that they will go and see and enjoy something like this and something as complicated as this because it's not really an easy film sometimes to watch because you do get confused every now and then because of the fact that Ryan Johnson is just throwing so much information and so many red herrings at you constantly um, and also there are Flues everywhere. Uh, this isn't really a spoiler. It kind of maybe is. There's, there's a scene, for example, in a restaurant. And in the background, you'll hear Sundown by Gordon Lightfoot, which is a song that many people might not know. I know the song. And, for example, there's uh, a line of the chorus where it says, Sundown, you'd better take care. If I keep you, if I find you creeping round my back stairs, which actually refers to an earlier scene and is a clue. So, um, and so there's lots of that happening all the time. So you have to have your wits about you when you're watching this film, and you're just constantly excited by every single scene.
4: So concentration at a must for this. You can't kind of drop off because you will you will miss a major part of it. And when we talk about the storyline, Mark, if you look at any dramas or soaps, one of their biggest raters is always the fact that it's the Who storyline. So it should. Do you well you, you would imagine anyhow
3: well it has done and it has done well and that's because it's brilliantly written mm. and very very well directed I mean uh, you know it's just and it's, it's, it, movies like this don't come around this uh, that that's often true. you know and uh, it's such exciting uh, it's so exciting to see a film like this and you just cast it I'm, I'm, do you know I'm, I can't wait to see it again
4: that's, 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 a that's, designed, yeah. that's a good sign. That's a good sign of a movie. Out of 10, so how would you rate Knives Out? I'll give it 9. 9? Wow, one yeah. of your highest ratings this year. So 9 out of 10 for Knives Out in cinemas now. And on DVD and streaming, you went and got Ugly Dolls. Now tell us about this. <laughs>
3: Okay, I haven't got much to say about it. I'll be very <laughs> yeah. honest. There's a reason why, I'll tell you why I'm doing this is because it's very difficult to find something that's streaming nowadays that I haven't already reviewed. And so I saw Ugly Dolls and I just thought, okay, I'll do it. I I, I confess something to you. I didn't make it to the end. Oh, I, I didn't. But then look, the film is not for me. It's for a 10-year-old and yeah. under, you know what I mean? And it's beautiful to look at. Um, it really is. It's, it's directed by a guy called Kelly Ashbury who has a, a very good CV in, in animation. He made Shrek 2, which I like very, very much indeed. He made Nomeo and Juliet which I didn't really like and also Smurf The Lost Village which was okay Um, so have you ever heard of the Ugly Dolls they are a thing
4: I haven't heard of them, no. I'm Looking at the pictures, I have seen the pictures of them and that's probably why I think I've heard of them but I haven't heard about what they actually do or, or what they're meant to do.
3: Yeah, there were a range of toys that were released about 20 years ago. Now, I had a little girl around that time so I would have thought that I would have heard and known about the Ugly Dolls uh, but I actually didn't but they are a range of toys and it's taken about 20 years to make the journey from kind of, which were initially kind of specially kind of toys and uh, in, in toy shops uh, to um, uh, the movie screen. Mm. It's made by a company called STX Films who I don't really know very Very much about, and the film you do do worry about them because the film hasn't really done that well. It wasn't really that well received. I think it cost about sixty million to make, and has only kind of returned uh, about half of that. So the film basically is about these ugly dolls, um, and it's about what it means to be different and what what does what is beauty. You know, Um, you know, is is beauty really? Ugly, or is it? And it depends on how you decide on what is ugly and what isn't. Uh, The thing is, I mean, first of all, they are called ugly dolls, but but I didn't find them ugly at all, which is a problem. And I thought they were really kind of cute and fluffy, actually, you know what I mean? Uh, But uh, apparently they are dolls that uh, end up in uh, a town called Uglyville, which is about as clever as uh, the film gets, um, because they... um, they have problems um, with the way they look. Uh, for example, uh, the character played by Kelly Clarkson only has two teeth. Uh, the, the character played by, by Blake Shelton only has one eye. So that's why uh, they are taken off the line and, and sent to Uglyville. So they, but in a kind of a toy story kind of a way, they have dreams of going to the big world and becoming the plaything of a human child. Um, so what happens is five of the dolls, they go through a portal, which actually was used as well, if I remember, in, a, in, in an earlier Smurfs film, Smurfs film where the Smurfs use a portal to go from Smurfland land to, to, to the real world. And so, they're, so they, they go through this portal, but what they think is the big world isn't. They actually end up in a place called the Institute of Perfection, where they meet dolls who are just that. They are perfection, they are beautiful. And so the film then... Um, decides to concentrate on that basically storyline. You know, the movie says that ugly is beautiful and maybe that too much of a fixation on beauty is in itself ugly. It's got a really good cast, mind you, and so there's a lot of songs. Pitbull, ice Tea, Kelly Clarkson, Blake Shelton, Lizzo, So, and some of the songs are okay, some of them hit, some of them are okay, some aren't. It's very bright, as you'd imagine, for a film for under-10s, and uh, all primary colors, blues, yellows, greens, so it looks good. It's very well animated um, But as I say It's it, it's not for people like me Unfortunately
4: okay, But good maybe over Christmas If you want to put on a film For the younger ones in the house They should enjoy that
3: And do you know what they will They will love every single moment of it
4: Excellent Out of 10 How would you rate Ugly Dolls?
3: If I was 7 I'd probably give it 10 uh, <laughs> But I'm not So I'd give it
4: six. So six for Mark out of ten but if you have a young uh, one in the house uh, well they might give it a ten out of ten but six out of ten for Ugly Dolls which is on DVD and streaming. Now uh, very finally Mark uh, someone just wants to know on text uh, you've been reviewing movies all year will you now over Christmas when there's so many various movies on TV that get shown every Christmas will you sit down and watch those particular movies for example the Love Actually's and Sunday Music and all of those ones?
3: Yeah but problem is is that you know there was a time when I grew up uh, we only had uh, one channel and mm. therefore the movies that turn up on TV you I hadn't seen before. And it was really exciting. So I don't think movies have that kind of impact anymore for TV and Christmas TV like they used to. So you tend to kind of look for something different on TV. But, um, I, I have, I, but most of the movies over Christmas I will have already seen. So what I'll be doing really probably is kind of just trying to um, target, you know, the ones that I really like and that I would watch over and over again. Sure. So.
4: Very good. Well, Mark, thank you for all your reviews over 2019, and we'll do it again in 2020. Thank you, very Have much. Have a good Christmas. Thank, thank you, me. Mark. And Mark Malone there with our movie review.
2: Here's another Christmas hit on C103 with your local Mace. Going the extra smile this Christmas and making your celebrations special.
0: It was Christmas Eve, in the drunk tank An old man said to me Won't see another one And then I sang a song The rare old mountain to you I turned my face away And dreamed about you Got on a lucky one Came in 19 to one I've got a feeling That's years from me So happy Christmas I love you baby I can see When all our dreams come true They got cars big as bars, they got rivers of gold But the wind goes right through you, it's no place for the old When you first took my hand on a cold Christmas Eve You promised me bread pretty queen of New York City When, when the band, band finished, finished playing, playing They held out for more Sinatra was swinging All the drums they were singing We kissed on the corner Then danced through the night The boys of the like Pini Choir Were singing, go away by And the bells were ringing out For Christmas Day I'm on a drip in that bed. I put them with my own, can't make it all alone, I built my dreams around you. The boys in the NYPD chorus are singing, go away by, and the bells are ringing out for Christmas Day.
4: always comes out as the ultimate and favourite Christmas song that is the Pogues and Kirsten McCall "Fairy Tale of New York at C103 yeah, That's it from us today Patricia Messenger is back with you on Monday with Cork Today My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced uh, I'm John Paul McNamara Have a great Christmas My last day working on the show So enjoy Christmas We'll chat to you over the Christmas period
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt Now imagine them getting even softer over time